Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Kato Fakaronga mai, kwe kito tato el horihori, kito reo erirangi o aotearoa. You're with our changing world on RNZ National, and now let's have a simple introduction to quantum mechanics, which is so easy that bacteria can apparently do it. With physicist David Hutchinson, who had this to say to me. I'm a theorist, so I'm not constrained by reality always. David is at the University of Otago and is also director of the Dodd Wall Centre for Photonic and Quantum Technologies. And I begin our conversation by asking him to explain quantum mechanics. We grow up with the idea of mechanics, which is classical mechanics, the mechanics invented by Newton, and we all meet Newton's laws at school. And they treat the world as very much a a world made up of particles, cricket balls and so on, or even trains we can think of in terms of the same sort of mechanics, the speed of trains, and if a train leaves, blah, at such a time... You know, those sorts of questions we remember as a school. And then the other side of the coin are waves. So waves are physical waves like we see on the sea or or the the radio waves that are transmitting this broadcast to you. And and they're very much separated. But we, we came to learn in the early 20th century that those are just two extremal pictures of a whole continuum, and there can be wave-like properties and particle-like properties to all entities. And in, in some regimes things will exhibit both properties and quantum mechanics is the the science of uh, what's going on when we're not in one of those classical extremal examples so that's pretty much all the time no so for for the vast majority of things for example almost every engineering application then you you can treat solids as, as rigid objects you don't have to worry about their their potential wave-like properties. And the electromagnetic waves of the, the radio waves, as I say, coming to us, we don't have to worry that each individual... or th- Those radio waves are made up of lots of what we call photons, which are like particles of light. So, so we treat light as a wave and we treat cricket balls as particles. But they both have a sort of tiny aspect that... The, the waves have a tiny particle-like aspect and the cricket balls have a tiny wave-like aspect, but they're, they're immeasurable in everyday life. It's only in quite extreme circumstances that you can, for example, see the particle-like properties of light. And uh, one of the archetypical examples that was explained in 1905 by Einstein is, is what's called the photoelectric effect, where... Uh, if you shine light on a metal or on a surface, then you can eject electrons from from that surface. Uh, but you can you can only do that under under certain conditions of the frequency of the light. And this can't be explained with our classical theory, our, our either waves or particles theory. You need both the wave-like and the particle-like properties of light to explain that. And that's actually what he got his Nobel Prize for. He didn't get it for relativity. So, what interests you about it? The fact that the world is fundamentally different to the way we perceive it, 
in in everyday life. I, I think that is the single biggest thing that fascinates me is that by careful observation we can actually infer the sort of fabric of the universe, the the way the world is made up, and actually learn something uh, about that structure. And the hardest thing is developing uh, an intuition and acceptance of, of the way the world is in, in that sense, and that, that takes a very long time. What is it that you do that's going to matter to someone like me? Well, I think the key thing is that by understanding how the world really behaves, we can actually manipulate uh, for example, electrons. I, I grew up in, in the world of semiconductor physics, and the reason semiconductor physics is so popular is because it underpins all of our technology. Uh, uh, we, we have to understand how electrons behave uh, in, in these materials to be able to make computers, cell phones, even radios, right? Uh, they're, all, they're all based on, on semiconductor technology. And it, it really is the, the fact that the electrons behave like waves and particles, it, it's their quantum mechanical nature that we have to understand to be able to make those things work. And that, that was one of the great advances in the 50s and 60s, was really understanding the quantum mechanics of electrons. And, and now we're understanding the quantum mechanics of cold atoms, for example. Uh, we, we can start to do similar things uh, by manipulating atoms as we manipulate electrons in electronic devices. So when you talk about cold atoms, how cold? Uh, the lab next door would typically get down to a few hundred billionths of a degree above absolute zero. So Dunedin is quite literally the coldest place in the universe at some times when, when those experiments are running. It's the, if you think of uh, the depths of space are about 2.7 Kelvin, so that's 2.7 degrees Celsius above absolute zero, um, these experiments are much less than a millikelvin or even a microkelvin above absolute zero so really very cold experiments so what work have you got on at the moment i still uh, do work on ultra cold gases and i'm interested in effects of disorder on on uh, samples of ultra cold gases there one of the beauties of the cold atom systems is that you can make very pure perfect systems whereas of course in a in a solid you you always have lots of rubbish hanging around and the effects of dislocations in crystals or, or impurities or ha have an effect on the propagation of the electrons and uh, understanding that as an, as an important problem. Uh, you can make the cold gas systems completely pure and then you can add in disorder in a controlled way so you can try and investigate the effects of disorder in, in a controlled manner. So that's one aspect of what we're doing. Another aspect of, of what I'm looking at at the moment is a bit of a almost a hobby. Um, there, there's some evidence that quantum physics may play a role in some biological systems. And so I'm interested in things called excitons, where, which are actually an electron combined with the, the hole it left behind as it got excited. So there's electron-hole pair. Um, they're bound together and they propagate together. So the object is neutral. Uh, no, it has no net charge, but um, but ultimately that propagates through through uh, certain biological systems, and it obeys very similar physics to the to the cold atoms that I've been interested in looking at in the past. So I've been trying to apply some of our techniques to to those sorts of systems and see if we can see where there are some important quantum effects happening in biological systems.
So when you say biological system, what do you mean? The first thing we've been looking at is a complex called FMO. It's the Fenner Matthews Olsen complex that is important in... There are green sulfur bacteria. These are light-harvesting bacteria. Uh, that can live in very low light environments. and So, so is this deep sea stuff? Yes, so the, these can be near these volcanic vents deep in the ocean. And so what they're harvesting are actually infrared photons, uh, particles of infrared light. And for them, uh, every photon is sacred, so to speak, uh, and they don't want to waste one. And, and this FMO complex is, is responsible from the transport from the antenna, which originally receives... The, the photon through to the reaction center, which ultimately does the charge transfer, which your ADP, ATP things going on in photosynthesis. But the, the key thing about this, uh, this FMO is, is that the exciton transport in this system near, seems to be nigh on 100% efficient. And so they're, they're really using every bit of energy that they can absorb at the antenna and getting it to the reaction center. The interest from my point of view is that if, if you take uh, photovoltaics that we make, this, this transport part is act, can actually be a very inefficient part of that process. And so if we can learn from nature how it does it in this amazingly efficient way, then, then maybe that opens doors to making uh, more efficient photovoltaic cells. So can you really say deep-sea bacteria are doing quantum mechanics? Oh, absolutely, yes. Why not? So... FMO is made up of, of a, a bunch of chromophores, and the, the excitation, the exciton, get, gets formed and it is localized on uh, one or two of these, these chromophores and then propagates through the system. And if it, you could imagine it just hopping from one site to another, just like a little particle, uh, and there wouldn't be very much interest in quantum mechanics there, but it lo- there's some evidence that it might be a sort of wave-like propagation of this exciton. So it's sort of that wave-particle duality uh, happening there. For us to do experiments in the cold atoms at a few billionths of a degree above absolute zero or in light experiments where we might use lasers and have individual photons in in some controlled environment, we we have to be very, very careful and very precise in what we do. We have to make sure we're isolated from the environment. These bacteria are operating at, you know, living temperatures in wet environments and they're still managing to do this and and in fact there's evidence that the interaction with the environment may be crucial to the very efficient propagation of these extons through those systems. So you mentioned evidence, what sort of evidence? So there there were some experiments done I I guess around about 10 years ago now with two-dimensional electron spectroscopy. So this is a certain type of spectroscopy, ultrafast spectroscopy that allows you to, um, if you like, excite and, and, and observe the emission of, of light from a crystalline system. And by looking at that, you can look at correlations between uh, sites within, within this FMO molecule at, at different energies. And you, if you have excitons or if you have a coupling between different sites at different energies, which is you know, what, what you'd have if there were, was a sort of wave-like property to these excitons rather than just being on one individual site, then, then you, you see sort of a, a, a beating-type 
effect. So, you know, like beating in sound, if you have two different frequencies that are interfering with each other in sound, you get a, a rising and lowering of the, of the beats of the sound. So you, you're seeing similar sorts of things in the spectroscopy. So we've been interested in w- what that implies ab- about the exciton tr- transport and then using techniques from quantum optics or ultra-cold atomic physics to, to then explore that transport property. So the FMO group, have you got any other interesting groups to look at? One of the things we were interested in is, is whether there's some sort of underlying symmetry or, or mechanism that uh, gives rise to this very efficient transport in these systems. And so we, we took the structure of FMO and then we made models by sort of tweaking the, the coupling between different chromophores. And that was interesting, and we've, we've got some results that sort of hint at some hidden symmetry in, in the underlying properties. But that was very artificial. Now, there, there's another class of complexes, and, and one that we're looking at now is, is something called P545, which is, is found in uh, red algae. And so it's still in the sea, but not so deep. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's still photosynthesizing, so it's still responsible for that exciton transport part of the uh, the light harvesting. But the FMO is a nice sort of tightly bound thing; it's all quite rigid. Where, whereas P five five sort of is is less sort of tightly bound and sort of flops around. So these parameters that we were varying artificially for FMO, they they kind of vary naturally within P545, and we have a very good collaboration with a group at Boston University, David Coker, and he's done a lot of calculations that we're using where he, he's calculated the structure and then the excitation or the, the spectrum of, of this, well, both FMO and P545, uh, and we can then use those results to feed into our transport uh, calculations. And by looking at the time evolution of, of these molecules we can sample all these things that we were artificially varying in fmo and in principle recreate this in experiment as well and hopefully this gives us a more realistic model thanks to david hutchinson from the university of otago who is director of the dodwall center for photonic and quantum technologies that's all for now for more check us out on the web rnz.co.nz slash our changing world matewa Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.